a presidential election that never ends, the Kraken release may have some trouble, and COVID returns with a vengeance, and so do the lockdowns. So, uh, this is Politics Today, and I'm James O'Hara. Thanks for listening. So, let's uh, get to our first topic of the day. Um, Basically, this election is not ending. Uh, It is not ending anytime soon. Um, The results of the election obviously being contested by the president. Uh, We've gone over this extensively in previous episodes and talked about what was happening uh, in regards to the president and the recourse the president has as far as not conceding the election and going forth with legal challenges uh, to dispute this in court. Um, And those are continuing. There's not much of an update on that front except for the fact that it's gone going. Um, Although patience appears to be running out for many, many people. And it's understandable. The reality is that the president obviously has a right to not concede. Uh, The president has not lost, technically, as of yet. The election has not been certified in many of the states that need to still go through the certification process in order to uh, appoint electors and have them vote in the Electoral College. None of that has happened yet. So Joe Biden has not won the presidency. He is a projected winner of the presidency, but he has not won yet. And anyone who says differently is lying to you. He has not won officially. Uh, now, will he be the president? Most likely. I, I will I will be honest with you. Most likely he will be the president of the United States, the next president. But uh, there is still recourse for Trump. Now, if you watch the Sunday uh, news shows, you may think that there is no hope for President Trump. Uh, there was a legal battle uh, that was being um, fought out uh, in Pennsylvania that kind of went nowhere uh, and kind of collapsed. And immediately when that happened, uh, there was a tweet by Pat Toomey, uh, who's a, uh, you know, a senator there from uh, Pennsylvania, who came out saying, you know, that Trump has no more legal recourse uh, to get any kind of satisfaction uh, for his claims in Pennsylvania. But that's simply false. That's a, that's a false statement that Pat Toomey made. Um, and you're seeing this happen right now. There's a rift becoming apparent between some of the more establishment Republicans who almost want, I feel, to get this over with. Right? They want it to end, and they want just some kind of resolution to come from this. And so they're starting to hedge their bets on where they think the election's going. And so you're seeing a lot of the talking heads a lot of the media personalities uh, who are traditionally uh, pro-Republican and pro-Trump begin to kind of uh, lean away uh, from Trump in a way, uh, thinking, you know, they smell blood in the water. Uh, it's that you know old adage that when they think the, that Trump is wounded, it's going to be bad for business, they're going to start to break away and separate from him. So that's what you're seeing with a lot of these. But the reality is that Trump's uh, recourse is not done yet. Uh, Trump's plan is to bring this to the Supreme Court. That was the plan from the beginning. The plan for the beginning, if they could get um, some satisfaction in the lower courts, uh, then that would be great, right? Then, then wonderful. Then there's no need to go to the Supreme Court. But the plan was always to push this as far as it would go. And that means to get to the Supreme Court, you have to lose cases. That's the way it works. Um, if you win cases, you're not going to appeal your case, and you're not going to appeal it up to the Supreme Court. That's not how the court system works. So uh, you would have to lose, or the other side would have to appeal, and they're probably not going to end up doing that. So really, Trump has to lose. The, the strategy is to lose in the lower courts, so then you can get an appeal and bring it up to the Supreme Court, 
and uh, hopefully get satisfaction up at the Supreme Court level, um, where all the decisions, of course, are final. Um, so the Trump campaign, Trump legal team, that is their strategy uh, with what is going on as far as the legal challenges go. But over the weekend and over the last week or so, I've gotten lots of little debates with people about what was going on, trying to explain the process uh, to people, because some people truly don't understand it. They don't understand what's actually going on here and what, why Trump is just, uh, to them, Trump's just a crybaby or he's whining and why doesn't he just step down? Doesn't he see that it's all over and blah, blah. And if you flip on CNN or you flip on any of the major news stations, that's what you see. I mean, it's, it's, it's broadcast everywhere that Trump is just uh, a danger and a threat to democracy. Uh, because he won't step down. And you're seeing these stories of Biden's not getting intelligence updates and Biden's not getting this. And, and COVID response is going to be messed up because there's no uh, there's no transition of power um, and all that. And all that's utter nonsense. It is absolute, utter nonsense. The reality is this is not a threat to democracy. The president has a constitutional and legal right to contest election results in which fraud did occur. That's the second part of this. So the first part is that it's not a threat to democracy, that Trump refusing to concede over what? Now, it's, it's, it's been 20 days since the election, and in 20 days, the world is not falling apart. Uh, the president is still the president. The president is still doing presidential things, still making decisions, still doing everything the president is supposed to do. There's no fault here. There's no problems. The, the president still, regardless of the outcome of this election, the president is still going to be the president until January 20th, 2021, at the least. That is when the presidential handover of power happens. So the president is still the president of the United States, and that president is President Trump. So there's not a threat to democracy. There is not a threat that this is weakening the United States because we are using the system as it's designed to go through the legal process of contesting an election that did have fraud in it, that did have fraud. So it's not a threat to democracy to exercise your constitutional rights. Anyone who says otherwise doesn't understand what constitutional rights are. And there seems to be a really big population of people on the left spectrum of politics who don't really understand what constitutional rights are or why we have them um, and believe that the government should just control everything and constitutional rights really don't matter. So the president does have a right to do this, and he is. And I'm going to get to a little bit to the legal challenges and what's going on in the Trump legal team in a little bit. So I'm not going to elaborate too much on that just now. The second part of this uh, misinformation that's being displayed is not only that it's a threat to democracy, um, but is that the president himself um, doing these legal challenges, right, and and saying that there was fraud is is saying an untruth and that there was no fraud in the election. And that's just false. That's 100% false. It's actually been proven in court false. Um, so the there was fraud in this election. There was a press conference just the other day where Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell and the rest of the Trump legal team or supposed Trump legal team uh, came out and gave this press conference. And in the press conference, they went over a lot of different aspects of what they are doing, what they are fighting, where their court cases are kind of going. Um, they didn't get too into specifics on every individual court case because some of those have honestly yet to be filed. Um, but they were trying to, I guess, clear the air and, of course, try to build some support for the president and doing this presser 
And uh, they really did take it as a chance to attack the media, which is kind of what it was. The, the media's been doing a lot of false reporting, um, so they took this opportunity to kind of bash the media a little bit um, in their press conference. Um, but the argument that's being out, that's been propagated out there, is that there was no voter fraud, and that this was the safest election and most secure election ever done in American history. That literally has been reported. And there couldn't be any farther from the truth. There are massive amounts of fraud that have been uh, identified. You have situations where signed affidavits under perjury have been made where people are claiming that they witnessed uh, ballots not being counted properly and that they were forced to not watch the ballot counting being done in violation of the law and other things. There's been a report that there were ballots that came in big garbage bags and garbage uh, you know, drums are brought in on vans and brought into the back door to be counted all at the last minute after the counting had stopped. So those are signed affidavits. That is eyewitness testimony. That's what that is. That is evidence. That's as evidence as you get in a court of law. So there is evidence that there has been voter fraud. And the Giuliani uh, press conference, him and Jenna Ellis, really brought out those specific cases in which the effort here is not to change the results of the election, as in counting, finding more votes for President Trump. That has changed. Um, originally, the recount in Georgia, that's what the goal kind of was. Uh, they did. They found, I think it was a net of 1,600 more votes um, for President Trump that weren't previously uncounted, uh, which made the margin of uh, the margin between the two candidates even smaller, which is already small. It's about right around 12,000 votes. So... There has been situations where mo more votes uh, were discovered, but not enough to overturn any kind of election results or anything like that. And that's not really the goal here with the Trump uh, legal team. What the goal here is to look at ballots that were illegally cast or counted. Let me say that again. It's to look at votes that were illegally cast or counted. Right? That is the goal of the Trump legal team at this point. It is to bring court cases where if you could prove that these are ballots that were brought in in the middle of the night when people, poll watchers, were told to go home and therefore in violation of that state's law, those ballots were then counted without anyone in observation of them, you can legally say that those ballots are illegal, right? They do not count or they should not count at that point. So then at that point, you have to identify what ballots those were how many of them there were during what time frame that this all happened, and then invalidate those ballots, meaning that they no longer are counted towards the total. And since a massive preponderance of those ballots were leaning towards the Biden campaign, that theoretically could result in flipping the state's results in the Trump direction and Trump getting those votes. The other strategy here, and 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 before I get into the other strategy, th this is an important thing I gotta I gotta say because because I, I debated this topic with some people I was talking to them, and they got very upset and they they tried to say that well if you disqualify ballots so if you invalidate ballots and you say that these ballots don't count then you're disenfranchising a voter, and that's that's a very important aspect to, to not gloss over when you invalidate a ballot yes you're taking that vote away from someone who may have cast that ballot. However, if those ballots are mixed in with illegal ballots, meaning ballots that were not actually cast by voters, 
ballots that were either filled in, uh, which is some of the accusations, uh, and brought in or or along those lines, not not done properly, not in their safety envelopes. Those are ballots that should never be counted anyway. They were never they wouldn't have never passed the scrutiny of election law and therefore wouldn't have counted. Uh, you can't validate improper ballots because that would then invalidate other people's votes who actually did vote uh, securely and legally. If they followed the laws and they voted legally, their vote should count. If the vote was not done legally or broke any of the laws and was it was invalid from the beginning, it should not count. So you're not invalidating people's ballots necessarily, or people's votes necessarily. You're weeding out the actual uh, illegal votes or improper votes and thus validating all the other people's votes who actually voted legally. That, so there's two sides of the coin there. Both of them are important arguments, and that's what the court's going to have to decide. But that that's where I, I, face, I, I lie on it. I, I say you've got to validate the people who legally voted and invalidate any kind of illegal votes. And when I say illegal votes, I'm not saying some of these that are being um, proposed as being invalid, they may have been legal votes. Uh, they are legal voters who filled out a mail-in ballot, sent it in. I'm not disputing whether or not they may be actual ballots or not. But according to eyewitness testimony that's been sworn in these affidavits, there is a lot of these votes that are not legal votes, that are mixed in with those. So that is the the, the attempt here, right, to invalidate those votes and switch over the results um, for President Trump. The other strategy here, if you can't invalidate all the votes, you call into question the integrity of the election altogether. And if you can call into question the integrity altogether, you can stop the state from certifying its votes and basically invalidate the state and its electoral votes won't count for anybody. And that's pr- probably the direction something like the Supreme Court would take rather than call an election one way or the other, which no court wants to do. We mentioned this in my last podcast. You know, I gave you guys a football analogy. You don't want judges who are going to have to make this decision, which is going to switch the the winner of, the, of an election. Because they are that's not their job. Their job is to determine the constitutionality of something, whether the law was broken, uh, not to switch results from one candidate and switch them over to another candidate and thus change the election results. That's not the job of the court system. And so that's why you're seeing a lot of these lower court um, lower court cases fail, uh, which the media is praising every time one of them fails. It's like, oh, my God, there's see Trump's wrong. Trump's wrong. And you hear all this craziness. That's not the case. A lot of these are failing because judges are not going to be put in that situation where they're going to call an election one way or the other. If it gets to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court may have a chance to, to move in here and an avenue they could take is to invalidate the results of the state altogether. No one gets that state's electoral votes. So it doesn't sway the election one way or the other. It invalidates it completely. And then what happens is you have a situation where neither candidate had gotten 270 electoral votes. If neither candidate got those, then it falls into the United States House of Representatives to make a decision according to what the Constitution says. So then it goes into a constitutional process. That is a far easier, I mean, none of these are easy, but it's a far easier argument to make for as a judge that, hey, we could kick this into the constitutional process of going to the House of Representatives, then the court does not have to make a decision on who the winner is or who the loser is or flip any kind of results. It simply can take a neutral position where it invalidates state results that are in question, 
where there's proof of fraud that has been committed in those states. And in some cases, some of this fraud may be almost impossible to determine exactly when it occurred and things like that. Um, you may fall into a situation like that where um, you can't say, hey, it was at 11 o'clock that this happened and it happened for one hour. And so 5,422 ballots were counted at that time and they were all for Biden or whatever. And those are eliminated. Um, that you need very precise evidence in order to defend and support that argument. Uh, and I don't know if the Trump campaign has that kind of evidence. I haven't seen any of it, and it hasn't gone to court yet, so they might. But that's a different situation than bringing it to the Supreme Court, having the Supreme Court invalidate a whole state's electoral vote. So that's a very long, complicated way to say, basically, the Trump campaign still has an avenue of getting some kind of result here that could change the results of the election. They seem very confident about that, but the president always seems very confident about things. So we really don't know exactly what the result's got to be. Uh, they're going to be have court cases that are getting uh, underway this week, and we will watch them closely, and I will touch base with you guys and let you know what the results of those were, of course, um, when that comes out. So, with that said, let's talk about the Kraken. So, uh, if you've been following any kind of conservative media at all, you probably have heard this phrase, release the Kraken, right? And it's Sidney Powell and the releasing of the Kraken. It seems to be this, uh, you know, calling card or a call to arms that's being done by conservative and Trump supporters to try to uh, say, hey, you know, Sidney Powell's got this evidence, this evidence is real, and it's enough to overturn the election. So Sidney Powell herself, uh, she went on to Newsmax TV to um, give a statement about what was going on. And it was on Saturday. She did this interview. And basically, in her interview, she made some very very strong, strong claims um, that had to do with Dominion voting systems and the election results. So there's there's two areas of focus here. You have Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, the Trump legal team, arguing specific cases of voter fraud in specific states in which they have signed affidavits by people who said they witnessed this fraud happening uh, or illegal procedures being done, and thus ballots should be invalidated based on that. That is a very, um, I think, sound legal rationale. It's just going to be a matter of whether you can prove it with enough evidence in court that it's going to change the results of election or not. So that, that's the argument here. It's not whether it happened. It's whether how much of it happened, where it happened, how many votes would be overturned because of it, and would it change the results. What Powell is arguing is something quite different. Um, Sidney Powell has argued uh, that it is a feature of Dominion voting systems, uh, machines, and network that it is able to change the vote, the votes, one way to another after the vote is cast. So there is it, what she outlined is a global conspiracy in which there are bad actors in Europe and around the world where voting, these voting machines are kept and their servers are kept, where the voting is being tabulated, and then there are people who are able to go in and change the results of this election and add votes uh, into the system and change the result from one to another. Now, that is a very, very big, very, very uh, momentous argument to make. And whether it's true or not, who knows? I don't know. I have no evidence of it. Sidney Powell claims she has a preponderance of evidence of this, in her words. 
that would lead to the overturning the election and invalidating a lot of these votes in the states um, that are under dispute. And she's claiming that this algorithm that was done by uh, by Dominion, Dominion Voting Systems or whoever was in control of it um, was used in other states as well, but the, the results just weren't enough and that Trump won by such a landslide that they had to scramble, shut down everything, add votes to the system in order for it to happen. She says she has, claims she has evidence of this happening. The real question is, does she have enough evidence for this to happen or not? But that's a huge bombshell. And the reason why it's such a big bombshell and why it has to be taken seriously is if you're claiming this, this would be the biggest, most egregious criminal enterprise and challenge of the United States constitutional system that we have as a republic in the history of the United States. There's never been something like that that's ever happened before where election election results were actually changed electronically from one candidate who did not win to another candidate or you know from from a candidate who did win to another candidate who did not win. And if that is true and it's being defended by the media and defended by the Democrat party in this and they are complicit in this according to Sidney Powell's arguments it would be the end of the Democrat party in the United States. We would no longer have a Democrat political party. It wouldn't exist. It would be ostracized out of all society um, for breaking and violating the constitutional principles in which all of us live and swear to uphold. So that's a huge, huge thing to say. And she said on national television, Newsmax TV, and she also repeated some of these claims on Fox News and some other networks. And... Some people have laughed her off as being crazy, as what she's saying is insane, or she's some, some kind of QAnon and conspiracy, and she may be 100% cuckoo, and this may be completely wrong. But it's a huge claim to say. And if you're going to go into court, and you're going to present that argument, you better have compelling evidence. In, in all of this, you better have compelling evidence when you're making any kind of claims that there's mass voter fraud that changes results of an election. This is not something that is taken lightly, and our system should not take it lightly. So we should demand a massive amount of evidence that supports what these claims are. She claims she has it. I will give her the benefit of the doubt at the moment. I do have my own doubts on whether she's 100% right, or maybe if she's being played by somebody to behave like this, right? I don't have any evidence of that. I'm simply playing devil's advocate here. Perhaps she does have the evidence that she's saying she has, and perhaps it's enough that it could overturn an election and people would go to prison for this and massive numbers. I mean, this would be a huge situation um, to happen. So maybe she does have the results of this, but we won't know until it actually goes to court. And she's now saying that she's going to put probably by Friday, have her court case started. So that leads us to another issue. I understand it takes a while to get these legal cases underway and get them in court and get them moving, but we're running out of time. The certification dates are coming very, very soon for many of these things and many of these states, and there's not a lot of time to sit here and dilly-dally in court and try to decide, do you want to have a case, do you not have a case? If you have the evidence, you need to go to court, you need to present your evidence. There needs to not be this mess around with, I need more time, and Friday we're going to do it, and blah, 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 blah. I understand she has to build a case. I understand she has to put all this stuff in order. But there should be around the clock, 24 hours a day, working on this, putting it in order. So it shouldn't be a matter of, we need a whole week to get this together. You've had weeks. You've had days to get this together. So 
Uh, it's been 20 days since the election. So now it's, it's, it's push come to shove time, right? This is it. It's now or never. You got to go to court and you got to present this evidence. If your evidence is not good enough, you're going to be a laughingstock. You will be a laughingstock if you present evidence that's not compelling enough of what your claims are. You know, the claim that our, our election was stolen by international communist actors and that there were high-level officials in the United States government and high-level officials around the world that were involved in this stealing of this election and changing votes. Um, that is a very big argument. And if you don't have evidence that rises to that level that you're going to come out and say, this is the evidence we have, then, then you're going to be, rightfully so, laughed at and ostracized for that. And never be able to practice law again in this country. I mean, if you make that claim. That, that's what she's she putting her entire career on the line with what she's saying here. And so with that said, there's been a fallout, so to speak. Um, maybe not fallout. Fallout's the wrong word for it. A, there's definitely been a, a disruption in the Trump legal team uh, over this. Ever since that statement was made by her, I think that even the Trump legal team understands the uh, absolute um, severity of what her claims are, and they have in any way distanced themselves from the claims that she is being made. Uh, now, there's a lot of speculation right now about why that happened and whether or not um, Sidney Powell really is crazy and that's why they're trying to stay away from her and whether it's a damage control kind of thing or something like that. I, 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 it might play a little bit into it. Um, or it could just be the fact that the Giuliani and Jenna Ellis and that side of the Trump legal team is focusing on specific uh, situations of fraud, specific court cases in which they can prove and invalidate votes. And Sidney Powell's looking at a very broader, larger uh, conspiracy-driven um, idea, which she claims she has evidence for, give her the benefit of the doubt, that she claims she has evidence for, that would invalidate the entire election, pretty much. So those are two different paths of the Trump legal team. Now, I'm saying I'm calling the Trump legal team because they, there was a claim that was put out over the weekend that she wasn't part of the Trump legal team, but she was part of the Trump legal team before all this happened. So there's definitely a little discrepancy there on what she really is, what her role really is, and whether she is or not. I, I believe some of that could just be summed up with we're trying to put stuff together, so now you're part of the team. And then when they find out really what her what her approach is and what she's looking at, they're like, well, eh, it doesn't really line up with what we're doing, so we're going to distance ourselves from you and no longer part of the Trump team, and you never were, and things like that, right? So um, those are the statements that have been uh, being made between the two sides. So you have um, basically the Trump campaign saying, you know, she's practicing law on her own, and therefore, she's not part of the legal team. She's doing this as her own independent uh, person. And she's not at all involved in what we're doing. Um, and her response to that, she came out with a response, even though she was banned from Twitter for 12 hours for some weird reason. Uh, and not, I didn't get an answer on why she was banned from Twitter for 12 hours. But I would think it probably had something to do with Twitter playing games in this election and trying to prevent her from getting a chance to... Uh, speak her mind and give her a, a response and therefore the mystery uh, goes on for 12 hours of what's really happening in the Trump campaign and uh, sows discord amongst Trump supporters and things like that uh, that's real now that's not a conspiracy that is real stuff Twitter actively does these things on purpose to try to dissuade people um, and and sow discord amongst people who support the president um, there's no other reason to ban uh, her for 12 hours she didn't do anything 
Um, she made statements on television. Uh, there's really nothing there. All of a sudden, there's a statement out by the Giuliani campaign that or Giuliani, the Giuliani and the Trump uh, legal team saying that they're distancing themselves from her and she's not part of the team. And all of a sudden, 12 hours, there's a blackout on Twitter for her where she can't respond. Um, that was done on purpose. So that everyone would sit back and think that, oh my God, there's all this strife going on within the Trump legal team and there's all this disorganization. Oh my. And then she fortunately was able to get her message out through Michael Flynn, uh, and who was a client of hers. And Michael Flynn's statement was that she understands everything they're saying, stay the course, we're all good, everything's fine. So it could just be a matter of there's two different pathways and they don't want those pathways to get stuck together, which is important. You don't want... Your two pathways stuck together uh, and have everything live or die based on those claims that are being made by one side or the other. Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, the Trump legal team on one side, fighting those specific cases. They need those specific cases to be untethered from any other kind of theory or idea or legal argument. Right, because when you go into court, you need to produce you need to have a specific legal argument you're making. That's what they're trying to do. On the other hand, for the same reason, Sidney Powell's argument needs to be isolated on its own, untethered from the arguments being made of other um, situations of voter fraud, because she is making a quite a different argument. She's not making the argument that people weren't able to see the results, or people weren't able to poll watch, or people were corralled, you know, or votes were brought in the back door and counted three times, and they only said Biden. Nothing else was filled out on. They didn't have security envelopes where they properly should have had, and they were in violation of these state laws, and therefore shouldn't be counted. She's not making an argument. She's making an argument that the electronic counting of the votes, so the votes that came in, and the votes that were counted by the machine, are then changed at another location or at a different time thus reflecting different results. Stuff that would not be caught in a normal audit or recount of the votes. Because if they were all done electronically, you're simply comparing um, the results that you have in the computer, what your computer says, and results of what the election results are. And if they've been changed, it's all going to look the same. And so she's arguing that there's a different conspiracy happening here where those votes were actually added to the system or changed within the system uh, to reflect that. So, and she... I'm telling you, she she's saying this. She may have evidence of it. I don't know if she does or not. But it is compelling, and it does beg the question. 78 million people voted for Joe Biden. That's a lot of people. More than any other presidential candidate in the history of the United States. By far. Way beyond population increases. More than Barack Obama, who got 69 million. Right? And so... Yes, there's population increases since Obama ran for office, right? And so you got more people out there that are eligible to vote. But 78 million voted for Joe Biden? And another 73 million voted for almost 74 for President Trump? That's crazy amounts of votes out there. Uh, so who's to say that in certain states there wasn't some kind of manipulation with the voting tallies and the voting totals and votes added to the system or whatnot? So... There is a lot of evidence she claims she has of this. She says it's overwhelming, and she says it's clear, and she says she'll go to court with it, and it'll be enough to overturn the election. we got to wait to see what the results are, so we just got to be patient, and that's what I've preached this whole time. I've tried to take a very logical look at this, not emotional, and say, hey, are these things legitimate? Are they not legitimate? Do they have anything backing it? 
Um, I also think that these smaller cases that are getting, or not smaller cases, but the cases that are in the lower courts that are losing, and the media is celebrating every loss, as in it's the end of Trump. I don't think that's the proper way to look at this. The, the court system is being used and utilized to try to excel, or accelerate these cases up into the higher levels. So they have to lose at lower court. So I'm not surprised that they're losing in lower courts uh, and that I don't think it's a signal that they don't have evidence and they, their cases aren't legitimate. Uh, they're going to be appealed. They're going to go up the ladder into the higher court system, and that's what they were designed to do. So um, we simply sit back and we wait and we see what the results are. Meanwhile, you got... Um, quote, unquote, president-elect Joe Biden, who has not officially become president-elect, going forward, doing his stuff, uh, appointing people to different positions or, or you know, putting people in position to be appointed to different positions. All why wrongs around with his office of president-elect um, sign behind him everywhere he goes and gives press conferences and speeches as if he's the president of the United States when he's not, and he won't be. And, and if he is, he's going to be January 20th before he is anyway. So, really has no business going out and giving speeches and press conferences because he's not the president of the United States. Um, and that closes up pretty much what I want to talk about, the election and the updates there. The next thing is COVID. And COVID, obviously, with all the election talk and the campaigning being done, COVID is now back on the radar. And we've had some massive spikes in COVID cases. So, like, you know, Rightfully so, media begins talking about it again. But there are spikes everywhere throughout the world, not just the United States. Europe is getting beat up pretty badly. Um, all these uh, countries that were formerly locked down, who embraced mask mandates and lockdowns, now have higher cases than they've ever had. Um, so the big spike is here. Now we look at how people are responding to this, and you have the response from a lot of these liberal Democrat-run uh, left-leaning states their governors want to shut down again. Michigan shutting down again. California shutting down again. New York shutting down again. Uh, New Jersey going to shut down again, right? Putting all these different COVID restrictions into place, uh, mask mandates for everybody, all back to what we were in the uh, in the, the springtime when this first was coming around. Um, some of these states had never even really lifted their lockdowns or just doubling down the lockdowns. When it's been proven that the lockdowns don't work. Now, I watched Dr. Fauci over the weekend coming out talking about lockdowns and how it's going to slow the spread and he's correct. It will slow the spread because no one's going to be out to spread the virus. But just like it did in the spring, as soon as you leave your house and start doing things that you have to do in life, the virus is going to pick back up and start spreading again. You're not going to be crushing the virus as everyone thinks they are when they lock down. You may be protecting some people and some vulnerable people, but you're not crushing the virus. The virus is still out there simply waiting for you to come back out and interact. That's how viruses work. Now, we have some r wonderful things on the horizon. We have announcement by Pfizer the other week that they, are, um, they have their vaccine. It's 95% effective. You now have uh, Moderna come out saying they, they have their um, vaccine, and it's 95 or 96% effective. So you have vaccines. You have another. Uh, AstraZeneca has announced that their vaccine results should be coming out pretty soon. You have emergency use authorization orders being submitted to the FDA. And it looks like by December we should have this uh, approved and people will start getting the vaccine, which is very helpful in slowing the spread. Right, That's what's going to slow the spread is the vaccinations um, as they happen. And you can thank President Trump for all of that. It is his success. Now, I did watch some doctors who, again, try to distance themselves from a president they think is losing, and they come out and they say, 
oh, well, the president didn't have that much to do with it. It really was, you know, that these companies would have came up with this vaccine on their own, even though the fastest vaccine ever made was four years. And this is less than a year, 10 months from beginning to end, and all the research and has done on this vaccine, and it's now safe and effective. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's not something companies normally do on their own. The reality is the federal government, led by President Trump and Operation Warp Speed, injected billions of dollars into cash into these uh, into this research so it could work. One, had promised billions of dollars in distribution uh, and money for the distribution of the virus after the virus was established safe and effective and ready to be handed out. They paid for massive quantities of this virus, uh, of vac- virus, of this vaccine to be um, produced so they'd be ready to be released when they were ready to do it. Uh, and then they took off all the red tape that normally all of these research um, companies uh, and medical companies have to go through in order to research and create this uh, vaccine. All that was removed by the president under Operation Warp Speed. So to argue and say the president did not have an impact on this vaccine and getting approved is absolute nonsense. Yes, it's 100%. It's a success for President Trump. And Arguably, had this stuff been announced prior to the election, could have changed some of the results, too, if that would have mattered. According to Sidney Powell, none of it would have mattered. The results would have been the same results because they were being manipulated by other people. Um, But we'll see about that. So that's the reality. The reality is COVID is serious. You have hypocritical governors, you know, Governor Murphy in New Jersey going out and eating with his family when telling you you can't have Thanksgiving dinner with yours. Um, You have Newsom, who's now uh, quarantining for 14 days after going to a party, uh, party dinner thing, uh, not wearing masks and all stuff while he preaches to everybody to go out there and do this and lock down and not do anything with the family. So there's been a lot of hypocriticalness uh, in politics being played when it comes to this virus. And a lot of people telling you, you can't practice Thanksgiving, you can't have Thanksgiving, or you can't practice your right to go out and, and live your life. And the reality is we face this virus by taking people who are vulnerable, taking precautions with the people who are vulnerable, wearing your mask properly when you go out or go into public if you're going to be someone who preaches about wearing masks, which 98% of the people out there wearing their masks aren't wearing it properly, are in violation of mask-wearing rules, or not wearing masks that correctly uh, stop the virus at all. And then you all around preaching of people to wear their masks and mandating everyone do this that could actually potentially create more harm than good. There's been studies showing that if you don't wear a mask properly, it increases your chance of getting COVID uh, versus if you wore it properly and disposed of it properly or cleaned it on a regular basis and all those different things. Um, but we don't see that happening. We see less logic and common sense being applied to these things and more political motivation and political answers given um, that makes one side look bad, another side look good. The reality is COVID and coronavirus is going to be here for a while. We have vaccines that are coming to the table. Make sure they're safe and effective. Get them to the vulnerable populations. Get them to other people who want them. Uh, Take precautions when you can take precautions. But we need the freedom to live our lives. We will not lock down. Now, in the state of Florida where I live, our governor's announced we won't lock down. If there's a lockdown order, I will not follow it. I will refuse to follow it. And if we all do that as Americans and say, we will not let the government come and dictate to us things and take away our rights from us simply because they want public safety, 
I understand what they're looking at. But while you're watching the officials, the same officials telling you to do all these things, not doing them themselves, you do not need to follow those orders. We, the people in this country, have the power. And we, the people, make the decisions on what's going to happen within our own governments. And that applies not only to coronavirus and a public health emergency, but it applies to elections in this country. And if things like what Sidney Powell says, that this election may have been stolen by other actors outside of this, and if anyone rejoices over that just because their person won, that is a very harmful and a threat to democracy, right? Not giving up the presidency and and running over, you know, what, I don't know what they expect Trump to do, just run away from the White House and say, I lost, I'm done, I'm no longer going to be president and let Biden take over tomorrow. That's not going to happen, right? There's a process that everything goes through in this country and fighting through the process, whether it be in court or whether it be anywhere else, that is your constitutional right as an American. The president is an American. They, uh, he has a constitutional right just as anyone else does and he's not a threat to democracy. But following illegal and unconstitutional lockdown orders, Locking down a population, scaring a population into thinking that this virus has a 99.6% survival rate is the end of the world. That, my friends, is unconstitutional and un-American and must be stood up to. Uh, And that's what I vow to do every day. Uh, It's one of the reasons why I started this podcast even to begin with, among many. And I thank you all for listening to my ranting for the last 45 minutes or so. So uh, if you could uh, share this out to any of your friends, let them listen to it. Uh, I try to do these as much as I possibly can. If there's any topics you want me to talk about or you have any comments or questions, uh, feel free to shoot me an email. The email is politicstoday, J-R-O, at gmail.com. Um, and you can get this uh, on this podcast anywhere you get your podcast at. Um, I'm on Apple Podcasts. I am now on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts at. Um, Feel free to follow it and share it out to all your friends. So thank you very much, and have a wonderful day.